everybody think that I was in Oxford today, but Dan is at a much more fun place. Dan's over at Sky Bar downtown. That's right. I'm I'm downtown here, uh, just by the uh, main entrance to Sky Bar. Gonna be a busy weekend for the uh, for the folks here. With uh, well, they got Ty Reynolds tomorrow night. They got a, a Halloween special coming up uh, in, in just a couple of weeks. And, and yeah, it's gonna be a uh, gonna be an exciting weekend here. They're not open tomorrow for the game because it's an 11 a.m. game, but they'll be open uh, by the time the sun goes down. And and because it's a it's a weekend during the fall. Uh, if you're uh, if you're out and about in Auburn, consider popping into uh, to Sky Bar. And of course, our shows down here uh, in you know right, right by tumors they're also brought to you by our friends at bud light next the zero carb uh, super crisp light beer from the good folks at anheuser-busch and we encourage you to uh, to check out bud light next and always drink responsibly but yeah shout out to a uh, sky bar and bud light next for sponsoring these friday shows yeah so dan and i uh basically swapped locations a while ago i didn't i didn't get out of the office until late and and uh uh, I had a couple of things I, I had to get taken care of, so I came here and it's like, oh, Dan's here, and then I, then it's like the uh, the guys from on the line are like, oh, um, hi. They were a little surprised to see me, so uh, it it is what it is. But uh, we, we will we'll have fun here on the Friday edition of the drive. Uh, let's go ahead and let you know that hour number one of the drive, as usual. Brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also, of course, the sponsor of our hotline, where we welcome your calls, questions, comments. And the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which you can find wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, or you can go to RadioAlabama.net and check out the Podcast Center uh, in the ESPN 106.7 tab. And that's also brought to you by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And uh, as we as we just get started, I mean, there is playoff baseball uh, going on. Uh, the Guardians trying to uh, even up the series against the Yankees in the 10th inning. Meanwhile, Braves-Phillies underway uh, up in Philadelphia, and they go to the uh, bottom of the second, scoreless. Aaron Nola and Spencer Strider getting the start for the Braves, and, uh, yeah, he was pumping 100-mile-an-hour gas there in the uh, bottom of the first. I think both of these National League series are so interesting, especially after the Dodgers dropped that game on Wednesday night. Now you've got a situation in San Diego tonight where if the Dodgers don't win, uh, if the Padres can hold serve at, at home in Game 3, now Los Angeles, the heavy favorite to win the World Series, is facing the potential of an elimination game against Joe Musgrove, the hottest pitcher in baseball right now, Bill, or on the short list, right? of the hottest pitchers in baseball after the way he pitched against the Mets oh, yeah. on Sunday night in the elimination game. Mm -hmm. The notion that the Dodgers could be facing Joe Musgrove in an elimination game if they can't win tonight, very real possibility. And they got Blake Snell going for the Padres tonight, who's had some postseason success in his own right, dating back to his time as a Tampa Bay Ray. So suddenly the Dodgers on the ropes a little bit. And you're right, this this matchup between Nola and Strider in Philadelphia, I mean, the winner of this game is is in the driver's seat in that series in a huge way. And both teams have somebody who's, you know, that they feel really good about on the mound. I expect a, uh, 
I, I expect a, a real pitcher's duel uh, to, uh, to continue. And, and like you said, the first inning as advertised between Nola and Strider. Yeah, there's no reason to expect a lot of runs, I wouldn't think, in, in this ball game. And Spencer Strider's been out for a couple of weeks, but he is someone of the, the Braves really putting a lot on the youngster's shoulders, a guy who very well could be the National League Rookie of the Year if, if it's not a teammate of his. But, um, but Strider, you remember, in his first start, this year, he, he tri- hit triple digits, and he was doing it again today. The question will be, how long does, can he last? Uh, this is a huge ball game for both teams, but uh, I think especially the Braves. If the Braves fall down 2-1, to one, Charlie Morton's going to get the start tomorrow. I'm not sure. Do the uh, Phillies go to Suarez? Do they go to Syndergaard? I'm not sure where they go tomorrow, but I think this is a critical ball game for the Braves. Uh, we'll keep you updated. The Guardians have scored twice in the top of the 10th against the Yankees, still batting, and uh, they look to even that series at one game apiece. And then you have um, the, uh, as you mentioned, the Dodgers and Padres coming up a little later on. Of course, yeah. there's, there, there, there's a little bit of football going on this weekend as well. Tonight, Huge ball game coming up on our sister station, Wings 94-3, as the Auburn High School Tigers look to clinch a tie for the region title and uh, uh, as they head over to Phoenix City to take on Central. Auburn number one in the state, Central, I believe, number four. They're six and two, but just one loss in the region. That, of course, came to Opelika. Yeah, you had me scrambling for a second there, thinking about like college football tonight. I'm like, does Bill does? No, there's not a bigger college game than the high school than that Auburn Central game tonight. Like, does Bill suddenly want to talk about Navy SMU? For, no, for a couple of not minutes? really. I, you know, you had me, you had me scrambling there, Bill. But but no, yeah, huge high school game between two of the uh, of of the real powerhouses, not just in the region, but two of the two of the preseason favorites. Uh, to, uh, to to win the state championship, so this is a yeah, it's a huge ball game in Central Phoenix City, and it could determine. Uh, you know, we, we expect there's going to be at least one matchup featuring two of Auburn Central and Opelika in the playoffs, and this game is going to be one of the games that determines where that matchup in the playoffs is played. If if the teams sort of handle their business in the early rounds, so yeah, it's a, it's an enormous game, and like you said, for Auburn, they can uh, they can clinch a share of the title tonight. So that, that'll come up. 6.30 is the pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff from over in Phoenix City. And then uh, another big college football weekend. Yeah, if you want to, you can talk about Navy SMU or anything. We could, we could talk about a couple of um, – weren't exactly defensive struggles last night in college football. But, but, yeah, I figured we'd probably focus on the Saturday action in college football. Certainly, and, and and depending on what happens tonight, I mean, I'll be paying an inordinate amount of attention uh, of attention to the baseball tomorrow for it being a college football Saturday because both the Braves Phillies game and the Dodgers Padres game. I mean, that's the beauty of these five game series, right? Especially when you go one one, is you'll have some teams facing elimination tomorrow in in really really high stakes situations with good pitchers on the mound. So I'm going to be paying attention to baseball. But you're right, it is a loaded college football Saturday tomorrow, starting with Auburn and Ole Miss at 11 o'clock. Auburn has a six-game win streak against Ole Miss, which is uh, you know pretty pretty incredible when you think about where these two programs appear to be at the moment. Uh, but things change quickly in college football. You think about that uh, that, that Auburn Ole Miss game last year, Bill, on Halloween, and and where it seemed like Auburn was heading after they beat Ole Miss in that game. Oh yeah, and and it is it is uh, six and two, number twelve in the country at that time. 
And and after winning that game, I mean, they, they thought the sky was the limit. I mean, it looked like Auburn was going to have a November full of uh, uh, games with championship stakes. And instead, you have the setback to A&M and the crushing loss to Mississippi State, plus the Bo Nix injury, and the free fall sort of begins, not just for that team in that season, but maybe for the Brian Harson era. And uh, tomorrow, there, there are rumors swirling about what Auburn plans to do uh, the rest of this season. I would think that a a, a, uh, a one-sided, uncompetitive, uh, sort of disheartening loss in Oxford tomorrow, especially a, a second half that goes the way some of the second halves have gone uh, of late for Auburn, I would think there's a very real chance it could be Brian Harson's last game as Auburn's coach. Oh, I, I think so, too. I know a lot of people have said, well, they, they don't look for Auburn to make a move. Uh, until at least later on this month, I'm wondering, uh, Dan. I mean, there are now there there are now quite a few reports that at least a couple of candidates have already interviewed for the Auburn for Auburn's permanent athletics director position. Uh, there, there there's some people that now feel like they're waiting for the AD to be announced. I I had you know I guess everything we had heard earlier was it wouldn't be unusual that the first thing that a new AD um would do would not normally be to fire a coach but i guess as long as rich mcglynn is very much involved and and it sure appears that that he and john hartwell still appear to be the top two candidates for the permanent ad job if rich mcglynn is going to be the permanent ad then it will indeed um be, be the first move by by the permanent ad uh but but yes i i think that um there's much more um, it's much more likely that Brian Harson will not be the coach for Auburn when Arkansas comes to town on the last weekend of October than uh, than than the likelihood of him being still the coach. I think that barring barring drastic improvement tomorrow, right? Which I know there's always a chance of that, but it feels like with every passing week when you don't see it, you know, you're kind of hoping. You know, you're, you're you're hoping for Santa Claus to show up, and it's getting closer and closer to sunrise, right? And it's, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's happening this year. So I, I would think, uh, no, I, I would agree. I think that if Auburn, you know, if, if if it if it's if it feels like it's slipping away when tomorrow's game goes final, I, I could I think that between the between the the number of games left, the bye week, the fact that you have a couple of home games, including your next game, I think there could be some some factors that make you think now's the time to make a move. And uh, something we talked about yesterday that I think is a you know when people talk about don't don't make a move until the end of the season. One benefit of making a coaching change if you feel like the current regime is doomed and you have games left in the season is, is something you you guys you know what yesterday we were talking about. You can't necessarily expect Brian Harson and his coaches to start playing young players at the expense of seniors when his job is on the line. No, you're right. You're, you're trying to do anything you can to win every single game that you possibly could. But an interim coach who is sort of a caretaker until the next permanent coach is announced does have the luxury of kicking the tires on freshmen and sophomores in a way that a coach coaching for his job maybe can't. And, uh, and even though, you know, that, that doesn't sound like the most appetizing way to finish a season, you know, with, with young guys getting a chance just to see how it goes, that could end up being the best thing for Auburn long-term because you find a player or two who can be part 
of the of the resurgence, who can be part of the next great Auburn team because they got playing time right now. It could pay dividends later. And that's something, you know, again, not to advocate for anyone to lose their job, but it's not reasonable to expect Brian Harson to suddenly go to a bunch of young players and start playing for 2023 and beyond when there's certainly no guarantee he has a 2023 and beyond as Auburn's head coach. But an interim coach, you know, certainly one with the best interests of Auburn long-term in mind uh, can maybe play some young players that could help speed up the rebuild for Auburn. So that would be, I think that's a counter argument to no matter what you give the coach all 12 games in the regular season, right? Like there is a benefit on top of whatever could be going on on the recruiting trail. There is a benefit on the field to making a change. If you've got a senior laden starting lineup and a season that's not going well and some first and second year players that aren't getting on the field that maybe a, a, a different interim coach uh, would be willing to play. Yes. Now, one thing you do have to keep in mind, I'm, there is no coach who's not going to be trying to win every game that he coaches. So we're not saying, oh, an interim coach just won't care about winning. He'll just be auditioning other players. No, they'll be trying to win, but they will also uh, perhaps be uh, maybe seeing if some other pieces could help them try to win because there's no doubt uh, anyone who's an interim coach probably wouldn't mind putting up as good a showing as possible so that if not immediately, that sometime down the road, they could be a head coach. Well, it's, it's a little bit like the bowl game policy I have that drives callers crazy every year, right? Where it's, you know, if it's not a playoff game, I'm really... What are you, I mean, you're going to go with the T-ball and let's uh, no. don't keep score? No, you know what I'm saying is compete and you know try your best and and you'd love to win, but but even besides winning or losing, you'd love to see players make a case that they're part of the future, right? You'd love to see players emerge and break through and seize the opportunity. And whether it's a bowl game or the final month of a season under a head coach, I think it's sort of the same. Like regardless of winning or losing, compete, try to win by all means. I'm not saying lay down and and surrender unconditionally or anything like that, but uh, it is. It can be sort of a silver lining or a glimmer of hope if someone gets that opportunity and plays well. And that's something where, you know, whether it's the a bowl game or the end of a season, you know, that, that's something you might be looking for if Auburn were to make a change or if Auburn were to begin something of a youth movement uh, within the roster in the in the final month or so of the season. We're just underway here on the Friday edition of The Drive. Bill and Dan, Dan over at uh, Sky Bar Cafe, and uh, we, we'd love for you to join us. You can just give us a call on the Kia of Auburn hotline, 334-321-1390. Bottom 10 now in New York, where the Guardians lead the Yankees uh, with two outs. Ooh. Four to two, so they're an out away from tying that series up. Meanwhile, we're going to the top of the third in Philadelphia. Uh, what a great pitcher's duel we've got early on. Aaron Nola, Spencer Strider has been unhittable through the first two innings for the Braves. No score in that one. We, uh, we, you mentioned recruiting. When we come back, Auburn picks up a big, and I mean literally big commitment today in football we'll talk about that and more love for you to join in here on the friday drive the drive continues continues, continues. the drive with bill cameron and dan peck on espn 1067 online at espnau.com to be a part of the drive call 334-321-1390 toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at espnau.com 
Welcome back into the drive, the Friday edition. Bill in the studio, Dan over at Sky Bar Cafe. And uh, we do have a final in the American League Division Series that was postponed from yesterday at Yankee Stadium. The Cleveland Guardians uh, come from behind. Mike Stanton had a two-run home. Excuse me. Uh, he used to be. Giancarlo. I know. That's what I know. It's like, oh, I was a flashback to the past, back when he was an early, a young Marlin. Giancarlo Stanton with a two-run homer in the first. That was all of the scoring for the Yankees for the day. The uh, Guardians, hey, uh, if, if I say Guardians throughout the day, uh, that's that's better than, than saying Mike, right? Uh, Cleveland with a run in the fourth, one in the fifth to tie, and then two in the tenth, and they knock off the Yankees 4-2. to two. So the series now going back to Cleveland tomorrow. Yeah, you got Cleveland's new name right. You didn't get yeah, Stanton's I know, I know. new name right. No, but that's pretty good. And and yeah, who gave up the uh, who, who gave up the runs in the tenth for the Yankees? Because because I know it was sort of uh, Jameson Tyon. Okay, because because that was uh, end of end of inning situations were uh, were, were sort of an issue. I know with uh, uh, with with Chapman's uh, status yep. up in the air after he missed a workout. It's not up in the air. He's not, he's he's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about Chapman? Chapman and Kimbrel both. Yeah, right. Two of two of two probably, of the greatest. Two of the greatest, um, uh, you know, closers of the modern era. Yeah. Are they are they probably the two most accomplished active closers in in baseball? When uh, you think about Kenley's like, up there, Kenley would be Kenley up there Jansen, still. You're right. Yeah. Kenley Jansen would be on that list too. I mean, those those are those are probably the three. Yep. And uh, and and for two of them to be left off the uh, uh, the, the playoff rosters, Kimbrel played his way. Off the off the playoff roster, he he pitched his way right off the Dodgers. Well, Oscar Oscar wasn't great this year either. He got off to a really good start and then uh, sort of flaked his way out. Yeah, I know there were some other some other as usual some yeah. other things going on with old Aroldis uh, Aroldis uh, uh, Chapman and the uh, uh, so so the Yankees now facing Oscar. what am I was, man? Is I'm it, losing my is mind. That, is that one one? Yes. The, well, yeah, no, Oscar Chapman's prominent too. Oscar Chapman. I know. So I know. I know. But the, hey man, it is it has been a day you wouldn't believe. The day today's been. Fridays are not supposed to be like this. That's what I heard. I got an update. I ran oh, some. I, ch- I picked yeah, a bad day yeah, to run yeah, some errands. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> kidding. Sounds like it. Or a good day, depending on no, what you're was right going about on there that. in, uh, in, in, in Ramsey. But no, some some exciting baseball. And, and yeah, the Yankees now uh, dropping a game. And, and in those, I, I don't know if I told the story on the air. I was talking to you about it off the air. That, that I remember J- uh, Joe Torre used to get blasted in the, uh, in, in the media uh, around New York when the Yankees would fall short in playoff series towards sure. the end of his tenure as the manager. And he tried to explain, I remember there was an interview he gave, where, where he tried to explain that when you take two teams with, you know, when you take two playoff caliber baseball teams and have them play a five-game series, you're a hot pitcher or a bad game away from being in, in serious trouble and losing to a team that might be inferior, a, a little bit inferior on paper. And we're, I mean, all four of these series look like, I mean, the, the Astros might be the only team up to right. nothing. And they've they had, are. To, they've had yeah. to win both of them at the very end of the game. Right? I mean, they, they've had the Mariners, you know, the Mariners have been leading for, for most of those two oh, games. Oh, yeah, so. if it weren't for Jordan Alvarez, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the Astros would be down to, to zip. Exactly. So, so we've gotten some highly competitive Major League Baseball series, and the closer these things get, to elimination, and in the National League, we're talking about tomorrow night because either the Braves or the Phillies will be facing elimination tomorrow, either the Dodgers or the Padres will be facing elimination tomorrow. Yeah, we're, we're going to have some some really really exciting stuff uh, all all weekend long. Yeah, we'll keep you updated on baseball. Wanted to get to uh, the news of the day from all, well the uh, uh, different type news that we've been talking about or speculation. Auburn picking up a football commitment today, and they add an offensive lineman, Clay Wedden who had been committed to Michigan State uh, today announcing 
that he is going to sign with Auburn. He was asked about the coaching, and he said he loves the coaches, but he loves Auburn even more. Wedden, a 6'6", 295-pounder from uh, Tampa, uh, a composite four-star on the 24-7, who is uh, considered sort of a swing guy. Uh, most, most folks project him as a guard, but Auburn has told him he could be a guard or a tackle. I, I haven't seen the film on him. But he's definitely large enough to be a tackle at 6'6", 295. But that's a nice pickup for Auburn. And that's crazy. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not terribly surprised because how many times have we seen it through the years if there's some unrest or, um, you know, fans aren't happy, the best thing to do to satisfy them is have a commitment, have a, have a public commitment. But uh, I think... I think that's a nice pickup for Auburn, and he sounds like he's going to stick with Auburn regardless of what happens with the head coaching situation. Yeah, his his quote to Auburn undercover, you know, makes it uh, makes it kind of. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to make assumptions, uh, but he does sound like someone who isn't just committing to play for this coaching staff and Mm -hmm. understands the possibility that there could be shakeups, not just with the head coach, but position coaches as well. He shouted out Coach Friend. I thought it was interesting you mentioned Joe Bernardi, right? Who uh, who was somebody we've talked about. As someone you know, making uh, uh, part of making his presence known on the offensive line, folks thought you know if Will Friend moved on in the offseason, Bernardi would be the guy stepping in. He still seemingly has a pretty active role in uh, in a couple of the duties there on the O line. Uh, but, but the quote that struck me, uh, quote, uh, it's more than just football. I absolutely love the university, the people that I'm surrounded by. I have respect and look up to some of the dudes on their roster, such as Garner Langlow, E.J. Harris, Court Bradley. Auburn may be a great fit for me as an athlete and a student, unquote. So, yeah, Auburn picks up a, a commitment from Clay Wedden, and it does sound like Clay Wedden is somebody who understands the uncertainty that may be ahead for the program and still uh, still wants to be part of it. Yeah, now he's somebody that when he first visited Auburn, uh, the word was he wanted to commit, and Auburn wasn't sure and, and didn't have a committable offer for him, so he then committed to Michigan State. Um, Michigan State isn't having a great year either, and that probably helps a little. But, no, Auburn had uh, really upped its uh, interest and really pursued him hard so he backed away from his commitment he's going to be a lot closer to home being from tampa uh, at auburn it's not like it's next door but it's a whole lot closer than lansing uh, so a uh, nice pickup for auburn and you know according to according to a few folks there there may be a couple more that are close to committing regardless of what is going on you know, with the coaching situation. You know, and, and shout out to the Auburn folks, too, who came out for the Penn State game and the LSU game because we're seeing more right. and more recruits who were impressed. And, I mean, I guess they could have been impressed by what they saw on the field in one way or another or maybe saw it as an opportunity for playing time. But it sounds like they're more impressed by the atmosphere and, and what, you know, the, the opportunity to play in, in, an, in a situation like that in front of uh, an arena uh, like that, you know, those those kind of. I mean, it just it just seems like a, uh, you know, it, it's been a chance for Auburn to put its best foot forward, you know, in in as a fan base, despite the fact that the season isn't going well. I don't know if Arkansas and A and M will be those opportunities, especially if Brian Harson is still the head coach. You know, we talked about that with Jason Caldwell right. uh, earlier earlier in the week. That's maybe another argument for making a coaching change during the bye week if things seem to be trending in the wrong way tomorrow. Is that I don't know what kind of reception Brian Harson would get if he were still the coach uh, for the Arkansas game and and, uh, tomorrow were to go really poorly uh, for Auburn. Uh, But uh, we're seeing seeing recruits who are in in it for the long haul, and and in part that's because of of what they've been able to experience uh, during their visits. 
Dan at Sky Bar Cafe, Bill here in the studio, Drew at the controls. We'd love for you to join in, 334-321-1390. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Come on in and join us here on the Friday Drive. Some more yardage on the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Dan with you. Taking your calls, questions, comments. We'd love for you to join in. What do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Not just in the Auburn game. I mean, obviously, we love your thoughts on that. How do you think Auburn responds? Dan, I wonder. I mean, you know. I mean, no matter what, no matter how players and coaches try to tune things out, they know what everybody's talking about. They know what's being mentioned and written and everything there. Uh, You just wonder how they are going to react. I mean, you know the guys have been bought in. They played hard all year long for uh, for Brian Harson, but but you know how will how will they react tomorrow? Because I'm sure they'll they'll feel like they're playing for their coach's job. Yeah, but effort hasn't been the issue no. the last couple of weeks, right? I mean, it's not a matter of Auburn just needs to play harder. I think it's a matter of, uh, you know, th- things need to improve production wise. And and I don't, I'm not the I'm not the doctor. Who can prescribe the cure as to as to how this team improves its production levels? Right. I mean, you can maybe say, well, if you if you inject some talent or you know in, in certain spots or uh, some you know the d- different coaching staff or whatever. But but this you know it's, it's tough to come up with answers as to okay, well maybe with a different approach. I, I am intrigued by the notion that maybe as the season goes on, Brian Harson and his coaching staff could become more comfortable running an offense that's sort of. That's sort of based out of the quarterback run, which which isn't something that's been, uh, you know, you you haven't said that about very many Brian Harson teams. No, but but his coaching career. Do, have you really seen? Uh, have, have you seen Auburn going more toward that in the last couple of games? I haven't really. No, you you, you haven't. I'm, I'm I'm sort of thinking like the hope would be what you've seen Auburn go to is more of a shotgun system. Right. To benefit Robbie, right? They've abandoned the attempt to, to power run, you know, with the quarterback under center. You haven't seen more designed, you know, interior runs for Robbie Ashford or, you know, substantially more. Like, it hasn't transitioned to, you know, we were, we were suggesting like the Nick Fitzgerald Mississippi State-style offense, which is one way to cover up, not just cover up a quarterback's deficiencies as a passer, but also maybe emphasize that quarterback's strengths as a runner. You know, it's a, it's a question of can or will Auburn uh, you know, incorporate more of that into the offense? Can some of the big play threats get more touches consistently? You know, what does Auburn do with Jarquez Hunter uh, the, the rest of the year, who's been, uh, you know, he's, he's been uh, maybe the second or third most effective player on the offense, if, if not uh, number one of late after the, the touchdown against Georgia. So, yeah, I think there are some questions, and, you know, maybe you get, positive information as the season goes on but 
you need to see, uh, with the way Ole Miss has been playing of late, right, like you need to see improvement soon or tomorrow's game could be a, a, a one-sided game at the end. Yeah, no question about it. No, what I, what I was just wondering about, I mean, how, how these, how the kids react with even more pressure on them, knowing that, you know, uh, that, that this could be their coach's last game unless, and I mean, some, you know, sometimes that's good, but uh, it, it's not always what you want. More pressure on a team that's, that's fighting hard, trying to get things turned around. I think Auburn's had, I mean, I- I don't know what the mindset is of any of any player in that locker room, but I would think, you know, if you're really bought into keeping the Harson era alive, that's been the mindset since the second half of the Penn State game, right? Like that, that's been you. You had to know that a poor performance against Missouri uh, could, could very well sink the ship, and uh, I think the same was we thought the same was true against LSU, right? Like we thought that if Auburn if if Auburn really regressed or didn't, you know, di- didn't take a, a something of a jump from the Missouri game, uh, which, uh, you know, is, uh, I mean, at least Auburn started strong against LSU. But but I, I think for the last couple of weeks, it's been a real possibility that uh, it could be the end. And it hasn't been uh, thus far. But, you know, if, if I if, if I had to offer a prediction, you know, I, I, I think the score is going to be one thing. And that, that score might be enough for Auburn to, to decide to pull the plug. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We have a run in the uh, Braves Phillies game. Spencer Strider had been unhittable through the first couple of innings. Actually, the first base runner for the Phillies was a walk to Brandon Marsh, and then Spencer Strider with an attempted pickoff. It didn't look like it was a terrible throw, but it was a a ball that hit in the dirt right at the bag. Matt Olson could not handle it. And uh, Marsh gets all the way to third. And then after being ahead of uh, Bryson Stott, Stott doubles into right field. Strider, St- I don't know if you've been able to watch this, Dan. But, oh, they, got it, they got it on the screen. All right, Strider has just been blowing the ball by the Phillies hitters. He threw a breaking ball with two strikes to, to Bryson Stott. And the Braves had him played the opposite way. He just hit a... Uh, um, I mean, it, he hit it pretty well, but it was a what would normally be a fairly routine play out in right field, but they had him played around to the opposite way. So it goes as a an RBI double, and the Phillies lead the Braves one nothing as they bat in the bottom of the third. That's right, and this is, um, I mean, for for someone who's observed baseball for a long time, Bill, this is a moment where you don't know what you're going to get out of the rookie pitcher with the great stuff, right? Right, like, you don't know. Well, and the thing is, he hasn't been out there for a couple of weeks. He's had that oblique. You wonder, uh, will, will his stamina, will he be able to, you know, give you how, how many innings, how many pitches will he be able to give you? And he was cruising with nobody on the base right. paths, right? Now it's a little bit different. Now you got that Philly crowd uh, smelling a little bit of blood. Oh, they're and going think, crazy. They're going absolutely crazy I think, I think crazy that ball's there. gone. Yeah, I, I think the game I is I think it is, too. They intentionally walked Kyle oh, Schwarber to pitch to, uh, uh, is that Hoskins? Yeah, that's that's yeah. That's Reese awesome. Hoskins with a bomb, and it's four nothing. Oh, so oh. I mean, Strider had been untouched, really, and then that walk, the errant pickoff attempt, double intentional walk, home run, and four is a lot. I mean, the Braves have got some big bats, but four is a lot of runs to spot Aaron Nola. Huge three-run home run for the Phillies off of the Braves' Spencer Strider to make it a four nothing game, and Bill, I. I I didn't know that was about to happen when I said that. 
that you didn't know you didn't know what you're going to get out of the uh, out no, of, out right. of the pitch with the sensational Boom. stuff. And he left one. He left one right in the home run derby zone, and now it's four nothing. Yep. Uh, so again, we'll, we'll keep you updated here. Phillies win this one. Tons of pressure on Charlie Morton uh, and the Braves tomorrow, uh, as it would be. Well, whoever wins this one uh, is, is is going to be one game away from moving on to the NLCS. Certainly, it's a yeah. This is a uh, this is a big one now for the uh, uh, for for the Phillies Clo- closing this one out if they can, and then yeah, the pressure is going to be on the Atlanta Braves if it's a uh, if it's two one Phillies tomorrow. All right, uh, again, we'd love your thoughts on anything you want to talk about sports wise. There's another base hit, and uh, uh, you know I. You've got to have the bullpen ready to go. You don't want things to get too out of hand. I think they uh, had the bullpen up before the home Yeah, I run. think they, they did. That's what I, I mean. These guys to... better heat up quickly, though. Better heat yeah, up quickly. I, and that's, you know what, when, when you talk about the big bats in the Phillies lineup, right, Hoskins can maybe slip uh, behind uh, when you talk about Schwarber, when you talk about Castellanos. Harper. Yeah, Real Bryce Mudo. They've got a pretty good lineup, too. Yeah, no, there's there's some there's some guys who swing the bat. Brendan Marsh has been very good since the uh, uh, since the trade coming over from Los Angeles. So yeah, this is a uh, this is a Phillies team. I, I mean, when when we were when we were looking at the bracket, there were the Braves fans saying, "Hey, you know, I they want, want the, the Phillies, Phillies. not, not yep. the Cardinals. I want the Phillies." And I get wanting to avoid the Cardinals because of some of that St. Louis voodoo. But uh, th- this is a Phillies team that's going to be happy to be back in the postseason, and they're not making it easy on the Atlanta Braves in Philadelphia right now. And that is it for Spencer Strider. So he goes two and a third innings, four runs, responsible um, for uh, the runner on base, and the Phillies leading it four to nothing as they uh, continue to bat. In the bottom of the third inning, uh, some hey, we as I mentioned a little while ago, there there's some fun ball games going on this weekend uh, around in around the nation, not just in the SEC. There's some uh, there's some games that could be high scoring affairs. I think when I look around the country, Dan, I mean, are there, what what do you expect from Alabama, Tennessee, Bill? Let's get to the let's get to the question everybody wants to know. If Bryce, I, I wish I knew how healthy Bryce Young is. Uh, I would say a a disrespected Alabama and a disrespected healthy Bryce Young are very very dangerous. I have the Tennessee Tennessee is a fun team to watch. I don't know that they are um, nearly as good defensively. They're 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 a great team offensively. I'm not sure how good they are defensively. That could be that could be a uh, 48-45 game. Uh, although I, I don't I don't see that both defenses will be better than that, but either team is capable of putting up a ton of points. Um, if Bryce struggles any, that atmosphere there we're talking about the atmosphere in Philly, the atmosphere in Tennessee is going to be more than double what the atmosphere in Philadelphia is for the Braves right now. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's, uh, you know, that th- that place is going to be. They've in, been know, waiting a long time. Yeah, mar- martial law for the Vol Navy if Tennessee wins that game tomorrow in, uh, in in Knoxville. You know, the Bryce Young thing reminds me a little bit of the Tua mystery in 2019. Uh huh. Right? Where it was, it's not just is he going to play and how, but but it's also I think the questions are beyond is he going to play because if he plays, the questions aren't over. How effective is he going to be? Is there going to be any rust after missing uh, what a game and half of the Arkansas yeah. and half the Arkansas game? Also, um, is he going to be able to stay healthy? This is an undersized guy mm-hmm. who can take some hits, and if he's less than 100%, will that impact his performance, and will that impact his ability to stay in the football game? I think the Bryce Young thing is, is a mystery. Tennessee, if you told me Milrow was going to play the whole game, 
at quarterback for Alabama, I would probably pick Tennessee to win the football game. I think Tennessee can 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 make up that. that I agree. I, I absolutely agree uh, because because Jalen Milrow is going to be really really good. But uh, this this is going to be the craziest atmosphere he's ever been in, and I think Tennessee can make them a little more one dimensional. No, it's gonna it's gonna be unmissable tomorrow at at two thirty on CBS because Tennessee. I mean, this is the litmus test for. Uh, oh no, did the did the Phillies just do it again? This is going to be the litmus test. Yeah, you brought the, a lefty. You brought a lefty in to face Bryce. Uh, just turn and look at that one. Oh, it is six nothing Phillies. Uh, so it's time to perhaps save everybody for tomorrow. No, I mean you hate to think about doing that because you can't. You just you can't just give away game three uh, when the series is tied at one and the best of five. That ball just landed here in downtown Auburn, Bill. That that is. I mean, Bryce that was Bryce a Harper bomb. Just, just yeah. absolutely destroyed uh, that yeah, baseball. Only one hundred and eight uh, yeah. for the exit velocity. Okay, well yeah, he'll. he'll He's got some. He's got some to work on, you know, in the in the uh, in the in the coming innings. No, so the uh, but but the Tennessee the Tennessee offense does feel like the rare offense that that can maybe keep up with an Alabama team that's even playing well. Agreed. Like an Alabama offense. I mean, we haven't seen. I mean, maybe A and M last year would be your example of like a team being in a true shootout with Alabama and and finding a way to keep pace. They did play some competitive games last year, but usually the offense didn't play all that well in those in in those competitive games. So yeah, I think tomorrow's going to be. Tomorrow's going to be really, really cool to see if Tennessee uh, can uh, can force Alabama into mistakes, and if they can't, can they score enough to to keep up with Alabama? Nevertheless, yeah, that that is it's going to be a wild one up in Neyland. Uh, there, there's some other. I mean, you've got uh, some some other really interesting matchups. I mean, you've got another top ten matchup with uh, Penn State, Michigan early tomorrow. You've got Penn State, Michigan early, which is a game that you would think uh, eliminates, uh, you know, puts somebody at least in the back seat of the of, of the of the championship, and or put somebody in the, in the the back seat of the, the Big Ten race. Um, one more thing on on Alabama, Tennessee, Bill. We, we don't talk about the Heisman Trophy all that much. It's not as important as some of the other things, especially with the expanded playoff field. Hendon Hooker. Oh, uh, would, oh if, jump. If, if he has a if he has a big game and a Tennessee win, all of a sudden he he's not just in the conversation. He's got to be right there at the forefront. And then a guy I think probably deserves a little more a little bit more love in the uh, in, in the Heisman race is the other. A quarterback putting up huge numbers in the SEC, Will Rogers over Mississippi State. They've got Kentucky uh, tomorrow night in Lexington. They've got Alabama in just eight days uh, in a uh, in, in a really big game uh, next week. So there's uh, uh yeah there's some Al- Alabama's pass defense going to be tested these next couple of weeks because they've got uh, Hendon Hooker and then they've got a, a visit from from Mississippi State in Tuscaloosa next Saturday night. Yeah, no no question about it. We'll look at more of the games. We'd love your thought on anything going on sports wise, but we'll go ahead and get to our final break of hour number one here on the Friday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of hour number one of the Friday Drive. Bill here in the studio with Drew. Dan is over at Skybar Cafe. Let everybody know what uh, what the plans are for Skybar again, Dan. They will be open tonight at 7 o'clock. They got specials and uh, trivia going from 7 to 9. They're going to have Lucky Town in the, uh, in, in the back uh, on, the, uh, on the stage, and they're going to have uh, karaoke 
up front. DJ Ben Brood, friend of the show, uh, our our good buddy DJ Ben Brood's going to be up in the uh, on the wheels of steels in the back as well. Uh, tomorrow night they'll be open at seven. Uh, Ty Reynolds will be uh, on stage in the back. Uh, karaoke up front. DJ Ben Brood again uh, going on. So seven o'clock tonight and tomorrow night here at Skybar they'll have college football on tomorrow night and they'll have the uh, imagine they'll have some of the baseball. You got what you got Dodgers uh, Dodgers Padres uh, tonight which yeah uh, that's which right be, uh, on some of the screens that should be uh, some really really high stakes baseball. I know we're we're talking a, a uh, talking a lot of baseball here in the first hour uh, for a uh, for a college football <laughs> for, for a, a day before uh, the uh, a big college football game for, uh, for for Robert a big college football weekend in the SEC but it's uh, it's that time of year and there's some uh, some great games being played so so check out Skybar all weekend long yeah and uh speaking of baseball yes the the Phillies uh finally are out in the bottom of the third i guess the the biggest question now is how does about a half an hour wait affect Aaron Nola as he goes to the mound with a six run lead going to the top of the fourth uh you were you uh, we'd sort of moved from Tennessee Alabama and you mentioned that uh, Mississippi State Kentucky game. That's another ranked matchup uh, tomorrow. Will Levis expected to be back for Kentucky, and the Cats are are reeling right now. I mean this this is a huge game for Kentucky to try to you know stop the slide. Yeah, it's you know it's di- it's disappointing for Kentucky because this was you know this was a season they thought they would they would be able to stay you know in 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 contention deep into the season and maybe even challenge Georgia for the SEC East. Looking like that's unlikely as they already have the two conference losses. They're a home underdog uh, tomorrow night to a Mississippi State team that's playing really, really well. I mean, that offense, it's not just what uh, what Will Rogers is, is doing at, at quarterback. No, they, they are running the ball better than I've ever seen a Mike Leach team run. And they've got great skill position players. I mean, we've talked about Ra-Ra Thomas, the uh, wide receiver from Ufala, who's had some huge games for them. But they have different contributors step up at different moments uh, in, in different aspects of the game. And it's just a really tough offense to stop home or away. And, and yeah, it's going to be a, uh, it would, it'd be a big win for Kentucky uh, to, uh, to, to dig deep and, and stop Mississippi State's momentum. And it'd be a big blow for Mississippi State the week before they go to Tuscaloosa to drop this game because, you know, they want to be uh, firmly in the mix and... I mean, they're, they're, uh, if they can beat Kentucky, you know, they're, they're a win over Alabama away from being in the driver's seat of the SEC West. So a lot on the line for Mississippi State the next two weeks. they got to find a way to win this game for next week's game to be as important as it could be. Yeah, and, you know, I, I remember what I picked in both contests we're in this week. But the more I think about it, I, I'm leaning more to Kentucky. I really think Mississippi State, this is a very difficult uh, game for State because... They can't help be think. They can't help but but be thinking about just what you said. Hey, if we can get to Alabama with that one loss, knock them off. We're in the driver's seat, and like I said, it is desperation time for Mark Stoops Wildcats. And uh, I mentioned this to somebody. I've forgotten exactly who I said it to. I may have said it here on the air, but I know I've, I've mentioned that Mike Leach is generally good for a stinker. Sometime every year, a loss to somebody that you don't expect them to. Now, it's not like Kentucky, you know, gets no respect. They, they are nationally ranked. But I think most people now are looking at this one as it should be a sure Mississippi State win. I, I think it's going to be a very tight ball game tomorrow night in Lexington. I think people are forgetting how good Kentucky looked before the Will Levis injury yep. to him. And this is a team that probably should have beaten Ole Miss, right, in Oxford. And, uh, and and instead let game slips away in the fourth quarter. Uh, and, and I mean, I, I just would think in, in last week's game, you had a really motivated South Carolina team against a Kentucky team 
without its quarterback. If Levis is healthy, these two teams are pretty close to even, especially in Lexington. And I would expect a game that's similar, uh, that, that plays out that way. Uh, if Levis isn't healthy and Mississippi State can get a touchdown or two on the board early and put Kentucky on their back foot, uh, then I don't know how I don't know how competitive this football game will be, and and I know what you mean about Leach. I mean both at Texas Tech and Washington State, you seem like you wouldn't get consistency week to week. They'd be good enough to beat a national championship contender one week, mm-hmm. and then they'd lose to a team in the bottom third or the bottom fourth of the conference just a week later. But when he got a system in place, he was winning a lot more than Washington State should. Oh yeah, and year three for him is usually a big big year. Yeah, I mean, they, they had four straight years of being over 500 uh, in the uh, in the Pac-12 at a place that, that should be an underdog most of the time in the Pac-12 conference with the resources available in Pullman, Washington. So, yeah, I think this is a really interesting stretch the next eight days. And, and if state wins, you know, suddenly Alabama's playing a pair of games that aren't usually conference championship, right. national championship, playoff implication type of games against Tennessee and Mississippi State. But that's exactly what they could be this year. We're approaching uh, the end of hour number one. We'd love for you to join in. We'll look at the other games around the SEC, some big games nationally as well. And, of course, uh, talk more about Auburn, Ole Miss, the implications there. Hey, we'd love, we'd love to hear from, from you. Do you think this is Brian Harson's last game as Auburn's head coach? We're halfway through here on the Friday edition of The Drive. Bill in the studio with Drew Dan over at Skybar Cafe. Come on in and join us. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. He's scored a pair of runs in the top of the 10th and beat New York 4-2 to tie the series up at a game apiece. Aaron Judge in the loss 0-5 for with four strikeouts. He has struck out seven times so far in this series. ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney. You wonder if he lost some rhythm uh, with those days off that they earned because they won the division. And you give credit to the Guardians pitchers, right? Where I mean, they are pitching him so precisely. A reminder, you can catch every pitch of every baseball postseason game on ESPN Radio. Hall of Fame reliever Bruce Souter has died at the age of 69. He was recently diagnosed with cancer and died last night in hospice, according to his family. NFL Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott listed as questionable for Sunday against the Eagles. He's missed the last four games recovering from surgery on his right thumb. On Wednesday, Coach Mike McCarthy said they are preparing for Cooper Rush to make a fifth consecutive start. Meantime, receiver CeeDee Lamb questionable with a hip issue, but the feeling is he'll play against Philly. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance can protect your small business with over 30 coverage options. An easy-to-use mobile app, personalized discounts, and more. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Discounts and coverage selections not available in all states or situations.
from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in to hour number two of the Friday Drive. Hope everybody doing well and looking forward to a uh, a nice weekend. Weather-wise, look like it's going to be great this weekend. Hope everybody has good plans. Uh, and we welcome you in to hour number two of the Friday Drive. Bill here in the studio with Drew at the controls. Dan is over at Sky Bar Cafe, another drive on location. One of those uh, days. I Let's face it. It's not the first time today I've gotten my wires crossed, but uh, we're, we're, we're able to do it. Dan is, Dan is uh, uh, holding down the fort over there at Sky Bar. Absolutely, Bill. No, and it's, you know, you're, you're here in spirit, and we've, uh, we, we, we love that you can be on, on the show nevertheless. Busy day for you, I understand. But it's, uh, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a lot going on this weekend at Sky Bar. They'll be open at 7 o'clock tonight and tomorrow night. Trivia and specials tonight till 9 o'clock. And they'll have, uh, oh, at Lucky Town, the, uh, the band on the, uh, on the stage in the back tonight. Uh, they're going to have Ty Reynolds on the stage in the back tomorrow night. DJ Ben Brood both nights karaoke both nights. They'll have baseball and football on the big screens both nights as well. So a lot going on here at Skybar. I get the sense there are some people out of town between Auburn uh, playing in Oxford. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, you know, what, what were you going to say, Bill? No, I'm, I'm just agreeing with you. Yeah, I, I, I believe there are. It's traffic is not nearly as heavy as we've seen the last few weeks. But if you're if you're in town and looking for something to do, and if it's not just this weekend, of course, I mean Sky Bar is a an institution down here. So uh, so yeah, if you're uh, if you're looking for something to do this weekend in downtown Auburn, by all means, check out Sky Bar Cafe. Also, want to shout out our friends Bud Light Next Zero Carb Super Crisp Light Beer, sponsoring these Friday shows. Uh, the, uh, the the latest from the good folks at Anheuser Busch. Please drink responsibly. Yeah, I will say that um, the the better half uh, tried it and and really liked it. So uh, there's an endorsement for you. All right, hour number two of the Friday Drive. I was I was surprised to learn there was alcohol in it. Like I think it's very it's 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 very light and it's yes right it's crisp and it's extremely light and mm-hmm. I would have believed I mean I, I suppose this is an endorsement I would have believed that there that there you know it was it was uh, you know I was I was surprised to learn I think it's four percent ABV so no it's a uh, it's it's shockingly. Uh, a light and crisp for a beer with uh, with its uh, with its ABV. So yeah, check out Bud Light next if you haven't. And again, uh, please drink responsibly. Hour number two of the drive brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika. On the web at orthoclinic.com. And we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which you can access uh, however you listen to podcasts. Just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or go to RadioAlabama.net, search the podcast center uh, in the 
ESPN 106.7 tab. You can find our show that way. That's all presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Before we uh, get to Spectre, hang on, Spectre. I'll give you a quick update on the uh, baseball playoffs in the American League game, which had been postponed from yesterday. The Guardians even up their series with the Yankees at a game apiece. Now they'll head back to Cleveland in that best-of-five series. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, um, a... The, the Phillies with six in the bottom of the third, a three-run homer from Reese Hoskins, then a two-run bomb from Bryce Harper, uh, the two big blows. The Braves now on their third pitcher, and I would think Jake Odorizzi is going to be in there for a long time as they save every arm possible for game four as they, unless they can come back and win this, they'll try to stave off elimination tomorrow, I believe starting with Charlie Morton. And re- relatively short work in the uh, top of the fourth for Aaron Nola, which is something you were wondering yep. about after that big inning for the Phillies. You know, 30 minutes on the bench for a guy who's been one of the better pitchers in the National League this season. What wasn't too much trouble, right? I think there was a... Uh, uh, Darno, Darno, got the Darno, Darno got a double, right. Darno got the double, but he was able to work around it. Now, uh, you know, Nola could be in a position to cruise for a couple more innings. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the the deck is stacked against the Braves in this game. You know, a lot of pressure. If this score holds or something similar holds, a lot of pressure on Charlie Morton tomorrow to save the season for the Atlanta Braves on the road in Philadelphia. That is right. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline, and Spectre gets us started. Hey, Spectre. Well, I ain't surprised that Dan's at Skybar hitting that happy hour. <laughs> That's right. How, how dare how dare you, Spectre? But uh, but yeah, I mean, only you could tell us how that Bud Light tastes. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm a professional, all right. Now, and I'm and I'm grateful for our sponsors, our good sponsors, uh, Skybar and Bud Light. Next, yeah, I I I, 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 I hear you. <laughs> I hear the stutter in you. How dare you? <laughs> anyway. Give me an injury report on the uh, team. Uh, I'm trying to think of any players that uh, that were questionable. I mean, obviously, Echo, Echo is out for the year. Um, someone asked about T.J. Finley the other day, and I believe on the the Wednesday SEC conference call, and, and uh, Brian Harson just said he's progressing, but I, I don't believe he will play tomorrow. What, what do you think the starting offensive line looks like tomorrow? Not to, not to pivot away from Spectre's question, because there are some injury concerns, but what, what, what are you expecting on the starting line tomorrow, Bill? I, I would imagine we'll see the same line that we saw last week. Uh, if, if they're all healthy, I mean, that's, and, and there's a key right there. I mean, Austin Troxel, uh, came out of the game and, and Brendan Coffey came in and you could see a, a definite change. There was, a um, you know, last week they took advantage when, uh, Austin came out. So that's, that's a question. I, I don't know the answer to how healthy Austin Troxel is. And there's a guy that's, you know, been plagued by injuries his entire career. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we had two running backs in the backfield. Uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, there's if there's anything you can do that you think might, um, you know, create some problems and and uh, give you success, you, you you better do it now. Yeah, I think he's going to mix it up a little bit. He ain't got anything to lose, right? Uh, probably uh, not much more. No. Yeah, exactly right. Well, uh, with that being said, I, I still think we, we're going to pull this one out. I keep saying that, but I think this one, I feel more comfortable with this one than I would with any other. Well, you know, Ole Miss, it's funny, uh, Spectre. I mean, Ole Miss still has played a, um, they, they have, they have by no means played a killer schedule. I mean, uh, their, their first four games, 
Uh, a lot of teams uh, should have been expected to go four and zero. They they beat Kentucky, Kentucky, you know, without Will Levis and jumped out to an early lead, and and uh, it was easier. But Kentucky moved the ball. I, I, again, I don't know how good the Ole Miss defense is. Auburn also believes they can beat Ole Miss because they've had their way. I mean, Auburn's won six straight against this team. It's pivotal that the offense succeeds early, right? I mean, yep. this and and look, maybe it's it's a it's a repeating record, but the the you the chances that Auburn wins a a game where the final score is in the twenties or in the even in the teens feels more likely than Auburn winning a game where the final score is in the 30s or the 40s. And if Ole Miss gets success early offensively on the Auburn defense, you just wonder if that could be checkmate and, and you're just you're, you're waiting to see how bad it gets. Well, you know, speaking of the offensive line, I, I hear Mississippi picked up one of ours out of the portal. His name is Manning. Uh, well, Kentucky. Kentucky did. Ole Miss has got two. They got J.J. Pegues, who is starting for them on the defensive line. And then uh, who's Tennyson. who, yeah yeah Ladarius Tennyson is uh, playing a lot for him big special teams um, playing some I don't think he's um, an every an every game starter but he's playing a lot but JJ Pegues you're going to see him trying to disrupt that Auburn offensive line tomorrow Inspector if you haven't watched yeah. Ole Miss this year they got a kid from Pike Road named Quinshawn Judkins yep. Bill. Go, Bill, Bill, go right oh, ahead. Yeah. On, on the, I mean, this kid looks he's, like a star. He's one of the best freshman running backs in the country, and Auburn apparently just never paid that much attention to him. Uh, and it's not like he's undersized. He's um, he's just short of six feet, but he's about 210, 215. Uh, a, a powerful back who can also take it the distance. Yeah, he is He is a special back. Well, I'm going 17-14, Auburn. That's what Auburn needs. Auburn needs it to be a low-scoring Probably not pretty ball game. All right, guys. See Appreciate it, Specter. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. What do you think about tomorrow? You wonder um, if the strategy, I mean, we were just talking about the run game, right? And Quinshawn Judkins, Zach Evans was one of the top running backs the year. Uh, oh, yeah. He, he, he was, I think, I believe he was the number one running back in the country. He was. He was. I believe there were only two running backs in the country rated ahead of Tank Bigsby by the recruiting services in the class of uh, 2020. Zach Evans out of Texas was one of them. He went to TCU, transferred to. Remember, Ole Miss. he committed to Georgia, and then there yeah. was something that uh, that uh, kept him from going there, and so he decided to go to TCU until he maybe transferred it was, it was to Ole Miss. All the other, maybe it was all the other five-star running backs that Georgia maybe. Saw. Made him decide TCU was the uh, was the better opportunity, but but he's at Ole Miss now, making an impact as well. And uh, you know, I guess the one question would be if if you can force Ole Miss into a situation where Jackson's where Jackson Dart has to has to be precise with his throws, maybe you can put Ole Miss uh, in, in something a little bit more uncomfortable than it will be. Because if you let them run the ball, right? If you can't oh, you're, stop you're dead. Up, you're dead if they can if they can run the ball. And that and that is a concern because Auburn has not been great against the run this year. No, no, they haven't. And and you wonder, you know, if, if Auburn, even with the with the plan, you know, did, can they carry out a, uh, you know, can they execute, uh, you know, a, a scheme that forces Ole Miss to throw instead of run the ball? Because that's maybe the question of what Jackson Dart, how precise is he? How accurate is he? Will he make good decisions every single time? Uh, that's that's really the only hope for a lot of teams trying to stop Ole Miss offensively this year because you're right if they uh if, if you just give judkins and evans and all the other skill position weapons that lane kiffin has accumulated you give them daylight and you give them a chance to to accelerate 
uh, you're, you're going to be in really, really big trouble. Of course, Jackson Dart, uh, who had been inconsistent, threw for 448 yards last week. Last he was, week. He's still, he's last still week. Fighting. Keep that in mind. I mean, how many yards has Auburn thrown for? I mean, each each Auburn quarter. I don't. Uh, Robbie Ashford is past that, but he's. It's taken him. You know, two and a half games to get past that. Well, and you wonder if Vanderbilt had the, you know, Vanderbilt had the kind of personnel where no matter what the plan was, they were going to be able to slow down Ole Miss's offense. I was thinking back to Kentucky, right? Like, how did Kentucky keep Ole Miss to just what did they finish with twenty two points in, yeah. in, in that game yeah. to beat uh, to beat Kentucky? I would think the plan Kentucky utilized was we can't, you know, we we have to maybe overplay the run and dare Jackson Dart to beat us with his arm because any other you know, any other strategy seemingly plays into Ole Miss's strengths. Oh, I agree. I mean, Auburn has got to somehow uh, keep this uh, keep this down. I, I don't know how, but Auburn's got to keep the ball away from the Ole Miss offense. It would well a start would be avoiding third and eight. That, right? that like that's yeah, that's which is what Auburn averages on the season. You see, Auburn has now dropped to dead last in the Power Five in third down. Average Auburn averages almost third down and nine on every single third down. Only two teams. I, the number that, uh, that that Ferguson had after the game uh, this past weekend. Only two teams in the bowl subdivision, right, are facing a longer average third down than Auburn uh, this year, and neither of those teams are in the Power Five. I mean, Auburn is. If it feels like it's third and eternity on average for the Auburn offense lately, it's because it is, and that's unsustainable. I mean, you can even if you're of the belief that your quarterback, because he he's so good at freestyling and he's so good at making something out of nothing, that he's at his most dangerous on third and eight and fourth and long. That doesn't make it a good strategy, right? That doesn't make it something that feels like you you can you you can uh, go with that every week and expect positive results. Auburn has to get more on first and second down. They have to give the offense more of a chance on third down, and they have to convert more of those third downs to keep the defense off the field. How they do that against Ole Miss is the difference between getting paid what we get paid and getting paid what the head coaches at Auburn University get paid. But that's that's got to be the strategy because if this game is – I mean, if Auburn's punting the ball a lot, unless Ole Miss is punting it a lot too – right. I mean, you you get the sense this thing could end the way you feared the last couple of Auburn games could could maybe end. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Bill and Dan here on the Friday edition of the Drive. Dan over at Sky Bar Cafe. We'll get to our first break of hour number two. Plenty of time for you to join in. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Dan. Bill here in the studio with Drew. Dan is at Sky Bar Cafe. Before we get back to the Kia of Auburn Hotline, we've been talking a good bit of baseball with the playoffs going on. Speaking of baseball, an opportunity for you, and, and, and it, as I said, looks like beautiful weather tomorrow. Uh, Auburn's got the first of its fall uh, scrimmages coming up tomorrow as they will take on Louisiana Tech over at Plainsman Park. One o'clock first pitch 
and I believe the plan is for them to play 12 innings. So they'll play Louisiana Tech tomorrow, and then they'll uh, turn around and in uh, a couple of weeks on Friday, the day before the Arkansas football game, they'll take on Alabama on that Friday night. But uh, yeah, so a little baseball going on. Uh, if you're uh, you know looking for something to do, hopefully Auburn football fans aren't so you know whatever down that they completely want to turn away and. Uh, but you can check out baseball. It should be going on for a while with 12 innings tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Yeah, right. or, or if you want to watch the baseball game and listen to the football game, there you it's go. going to be gorgeous. It's going to be gorgeous tomorrow, right? Like, oh, I think it there's is. ways to multitap. Bring the YouTube TV, right? Bring the, bring the device and watch the That's game. Right. With the, watch with the it on, watch it on your device. That's right. I, mean, I, I think there's lots of cool ways. And it is going to be, it's just going to be absolutely gorgeous. The weather's perfect right now. Some cold weather coming, right, Bill? Uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be down to 40 or below by midweek. Next week, so the Apple the Apple folks tell me that Thursday's low is thirty five right now for yeah for time to bring the uh, the the plants in this weekend that that's that's uh, part of the plan. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline and Matt is up next. Hey Matt, hey guys, just curious if the internal investigation and in the um, coup or whatever happened in early of this this year. If that never happened, do you think Brian Harson's seat would be as warm as it is right now? No, I don't. I don't. Probably not as warm. But uh, if if Auburn, regardless, and and I'm sure that has affected some of the things going on. Uh, I don't know how that's affected really the the play calling or the performances on the field. So if the fact that Auburn lost those five straight games to end last year and is now three and three, it'd be pretty darn hot. How significant was that investigation as a factor in deciding, I think, for, for prospective incoming transfers? You know, are there players that might have chosen Auburn in the portal and played on this team if that investigation had not happened, perhaps? Yeah, I, I agree, Dan. I think there probably would have been some players that, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't have been as, as big a deal. It would have been, okay, you had a first-year coach and his team struggled down the stretch, but look, they almost knocked off Alabama, who was playing for a national championship. And But that made it appear that, yeah, people want him out, and they'll do anything to get him out. If these results on the field had been the same, I don't think the investigation would be a factor. You know what I mean? But if, if you're telling me maybe the investigation could have impacted the talent level on this roster, then, yeah, I suppose you're, you're thinking about, well, you know, what if? What if that investigation yeah. hadn't mm -hmm. limited Brian Harson's ability to go get players? We don't know, you know, how, how different things would be if he'd been able to, you know, if, if he'd been able to get some of the players he wanted, if there were players yeah. that, he, that he could have gotten without the investigation. Yeah, just one more thing. The only thing I can think of that would be a benefit to keeping Harson around as opposed to letting an interim in and start the search once an AD is, is hired is the public relations and, and the, 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 the national narrative of Auburn being a place where we will give you two years and we'll give you a shot, but, but letting a coach go midseason would be a bad look for Auburn. That's the only thing I can think of. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate the call, Matt. Although, I mean, if, if no other school had let their coaches go, I would be much more concerned about that. And I know it's only been a year and a half, uh, but I, I think if, if, when people take a closer look at the direction this program is headed, it, I mean, sure, there will be some people saying, oh, uh, that, that's just Auburn being Auburn, and, and look at them. They're not going to give anybody a chance, and they keep paying tremendous amounts of money to coaches for them not to coach. Yes, you're going to hear some of that, 
But if if that's if that's what is making your decision, then uh, then then I, I I think you should you should you know de- really determine why are you going to make a move? Are you going to do it because you're worried about what someone's going to say, uh, or are you doing it because you think it's for the best of the program? And I think perception matters to an extent. I mean, if if it would seem overly ruthless or overly detached from reality to fire Brian Harson in the eyes of some. Maybe you consider that uh, when you're making your move. But if you're really worried about optics, I would tell you, I think the optics of having a coach who's going to get booed off the field uh, on, on October 27th, if he's still the coach when Auburn takes the field against Arkansas or potentially booed off the field in the A&M game. Like, I think the optics there are more concerning than the optics of how will the public respond if Auburn decides to fire Brian Harson. You know, it, it'll be a story for a game, for for a day or two. Sure. Just like it was at the other Power Five places that have made changes, but but people move on. I think the longer you keep a lame duck coach, the longer the story continues because he's still in the headlines making decisions for your program i think when you've lost faith i mean you don't worry about the optics of how how is this news going to be received nationally i think i think that's i mean it, it you you consider it a little bit but you you hopefully don't keep a coach that you've lost faith in because his firing would be received so poorly by the national media no i i don't think that you can i don't think you can afford to to factor it in that strongly no, no, I agree. Appreciate the call, Matt. We'd love for you to join in, 334-321-1390. Uh, you know, we re- we've been talking about, you know, how close is Auburn to naming its next athletics director. You see Georgia Tech announced their hire two and a half weeks after that opening, um, after it became an opening. Yeah, I, who, I mean, so I, I've, I've heard Jay of Bat, the executive AD uh, at Alabama for the, uh, for the last four or five years. Is his first name just the letter J? The letter J is all I've ever seen. What is he? A sh- is he a, a catalog? My clothes? <laughs> I don't. Like, I don't know. He, he's he he has been a a very prominent fundraiser at Alabama, though. Okay, no, no, he he does seem eminently qualified. He was brought over uh, when uh, Greg Byrne took over, right? He was he was one of Greg right. Byrne's first hires. Yeah, he's the Alabama. executive deputy director, COO, and chief revenue officer. And much the same way when we talk about Auburn maybe emphasizing recruiting a little bit more if they're on a coaching search for, you know, for the football program, Georgia Tech emphasized fundraising yes. with this coaching search after the last couple of athletic directors were maybe seen as solid administrators but not really gifted fundraisers. Now Georgia Tech is looking for somebody who can open up the, uh, uh, you know, they, they can turn on the money faucets uh, with the big donors uh, with the, uh, within the program because that's, you know, becoming, I think in the ACC too, if you're going to try to compete against SEC and Big Ten mm-hmm. programs that are going to get those broadcast contracts. If you're in the ACC, your fundraisers better be active. Your donors better be active because it's going to be a race between the teams in that league, not just in football but in other sports too, uh, to stay competitive. And so, yeah, Georgia Tech going out and getting themselves somebody who's very accomplished at, uh, at, at uh, uh, figuring out how to turn those money faucets on. And he has a, a strong background. He's a North Carolina grad. So he's very familiar with the ACC. He worked at North Carolina and Maryland um, before he went to East Carolina and then Alabama. Uh, so, so Georgia Tech's new AD, Jay Bat. How long will it be? Will Auburn name its permanent AD? Um, well, I guess the, the question is, will Brian Harson still be the coach when Auburn names its permanent AD? 
Is it a question for me? Because no, I'm just, go, no, that's a question. Going, that's just I'm a question I'm no. pondering. I mean, right. well, uh, you, you didn't. I will answer the question with my prediction, and my prediction is no. My prediction is that Brian Harson will not be the coach when Auburn hires its new athletic director. But that also could change because if Auburn were to show progress tomorrow, or if Auburn were to stick with Brian Harson beyond the Ole Miss game, and you get into November uh, with uh, with Brian Harson still as the coach, that changes a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think you know, I think this thing could be ending imminently. So I'm going to guess no, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Well, th- th- there will be a lot of folks doing just what Brian Harson said, watching tomorrow to see. You know, uh, to, to, to better gauge if there will be some movement after tomorrow's game. And, and in part, the reason some of those folks will be watching tomorrow so closely is because the head coach of the opposing team that is, correct. is among the more popular candidates for the job when you poll the Auburn fan base. We'll talk more about that. Of course, love for you to join in. And we'll look at some of the other games around the country. Whatever you want to talk about sports-wise as well. 334-321-1390. A little update. Bottom five. Phillies still leading the Braves. 6 nothing. Right back with the final half hour of the Friday Drive. You're live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in for the final half hour of the Friday Drive. Bill and Dan with you. Taking your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Dan, I just saw a story on AL.com that this is interesting. I mean, really interesting. Uh, we've been talking about, and obviously everybody's been talking about, you know, what's the status of Brian Harson? Is he going to be the head coach on Monday? Uh, what's going to happen? Uh, did you see the news? The uh, quarterback club in Mobile, it's the C Spire First and Ten Club in Mobile, had scheduled to have Zach Etheridge as its speaker on Monday. Auburn today subbed Brian Harson in. This afternoon, Auburn contacted the First and Ten Club in Mobile, told them, Zach Etheridge would not be coming. It would be Brian Harson speaking to the club Monday afternoon at five thirty. Is that? I mean, is that? Is that? Do you think an indication that no matter what happens tomorrow, he won't get fired? Like, is that? Well, is that, why? Is, is the, I, it, it sure that that sounds like it. Why would Auburn do that if there were any chance of that happening? Or is this? Or is this? Maybe I'm wondering. Maybe Brian Harson said, "Hey, put me in there." Well, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, my, what, my what do you think? Be, are, the, are the people making the decision about who goes and talks to the quarterback club in Mobile? Are they the same people making the decision about whether or not a coach gets fired? Pro, no, no, not at all. So that would not that at would all. Think, that would that would mean maybe the disconnect there. It's like if this were a situation. If the answer to that question were yes, right? Then yeah. I would say, oh well, then no, no. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think Sanford Hall 
um, or or Rich McGlynn are making the call on who is going to speak on behalf of the Auburn Athletic Department. So, so I would think perhaps, right? I mean, it's, it could be a clue. But at the same time, it could be made at a level different than the level of what happens. Oh, it's, it's that, coming from the football office. Yeah. I mean, that is coming from someone in the football offices. And somebody there either has a very interesting sense of humor or, or they're trying to, to, to uh, set things up to be even more interesting. Well, I don't mean to be morbid. Maybe they think they're going out, too. Maybe they think. Maybe they think. Yeah, what's the point? They're firing me too with this guy. So. Oh you know, wow! I, I, I mean, I just think that is that is wild. That, it is. It, I had not heard that news that, that Brian Harson. I was just, I was just checking this, headlines in different places. Know it? What? Yeah, the, the notion that Brian Harson has booked a speaking engagement on Monday is a uh, is is a bit of a surprise, and and we'll see if he can fulfill. I, honestly, uh, that, how fulfill many speaking how many speaking engagements has he done since he's been at Auburn during the football season? Well, other other maybe, than the one he's obliged to on Thursday nights. Yeah, maybe, maybe the bye week makes him um, more more available. Yeah, yeah. to do something like that. I I, I don't know. Well, that's a heck of a time to decide to do it. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, maybe, I mean, I. It it is it is uh, it is a curious move, and oh. we'll see if it sheds any insight into uh, Brian Harson's status following the Ole Miss game on, on Saturday. Yeah, you, you're you're absolutely right about that. So, uh, man, I, I, uh, if if there is no if there is no announcement by Monday evening, I, I bet that'll be a pretty lively meeting there, and and he'll get some questions from uh, from uh, you know non media. Three- sure. <laughs> Three three four three two one thirteen ninety and Pat is up next. Hey Pat. Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. Hey, man, look, love the show as always. Uh, look, I called in the other evening. I was the one asking about uh, the interim coach and do you like set Cornell and Zach Ezra up for failure? You know what I'm saying? But so I have blanked on the other one. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about um, uh, a new coach coming in. And, like, if he wants, like, total control. Mm-hmm. And us as Auburn fans, you know, we love, we've always loved some of our assistant coaches. You know, uh, Tracy Rocker and, you know, Cadillac and all them. And so it's like, you know, with, you know, we want them here, but would another new coach want them? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and if you force that issue on a new coach, or is that would that be a problem? You know, you see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, sure, fans want as many familiar names as possible, and and they and they absolutely love former players. But uh, that's not necessarily when you're talking about control for a head coach. Um, I think the head coach should be able to name his own assistants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought the same thing. You know. And, you know, I mean, and just not on this show, you know, every show in Alabama, they, they, everybody's got their own opinion. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, be, but like I said, being an Auburn fan and, you know, we want to, we, we want that familiar, familiarity, you know, you know, when, when the next coaching staff comes in, if, if that's what happens. Well, um, I think and, what Auburn fans need to, need to do is go back and look when, uh, when, when Pat Dye came to Auburn. Um, how many, how many familiar names were on the staff? I believe he may have held over, um, the offensive line coach. Wow. Uh, Alex, Alex, Alex Gibbs may have been a holdover from, 
from the uh, Doug Barfield staff. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember. Was there an was there an Auburn former Auburn player on Coach Dye's first staff, and that turned out pretty well. But he did, yeah. you know, he did have the right to to pick his own staff, and I I think they should. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not sure Auburn's in a position where they need to be dictating to a prospective coach. Well, you can come in, but you have to keep no. Cadillac Williams, or you have to keep Zach Etheridge. You'd love it. We'd, you you could Joe, say got... you could say you know uh, we we we'd uh, we'd like love it if you consider them, or we'd appreciate for you to consider them. But you're definitely making the call. Let me say one thing though, Pat. That sort of reminds me. I heard somebody talking about that, uh, a national person talking about uh, the the meddling. Uh, the meddling people at Auburn that won't let a coach have control. What has Brian Harson not been able to do? I mean, he's brought in so many people. Um, I, I think he's had control. Bill, you are absolutely right about that. I, I totally agree on that. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I, I'm I'm one. I, I mean, you know, I'm like the the elder school that we ain't gonna name uh, up north. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, I mean, you know, when he came in, I mean, he he made a dictatorship, you know, and I mean, I don't have a problem with that, you know, uh, just to get this crap turned around. But uh, like I said, love love the show, guys. Y'all have a, a great weekend, man. Appreciate the call, Pat. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Who do we have next? Daniel. Daniel is next. Hey, Daniel. Hey guys, uh, just wanted to call in right before the game tomorrow and. Uh, share with you guys my hot take uh every bad team is due for the game of their lives and so remember a few years ago uh garantano and tennessee came here and they looked fantastic oh yeah and Auburn's team was clearly better than them uh tomorrow i think the tigers are going to win uh i just have a funny feeling i have zero stats to back it up zero uh <laughs> credible uh yeah, zero credible sources. But I don't know. You know, what if, what if, uh, you know, coach has a good scheme tomorrow and, and then make some small adjustments if, if he can and then, you know, opens up the passing game. Um, you know, what if, what if my take would be Tigers win and, um, Robbie throws for close to 180 yards. Anyways, where are you guys? Hey, uh, well, crazier things have happened. I mean, um, like like I was like we were saying a while ago, um, Daniel. Um, Auburn has owned Ole Miss, and they have they have played really well. They played really well over there uh, in Oxford. Now these guys, uh, a few of them have. Robbie Ashford obviously hasn't, um, but now he's been on the road, and the numbers weren't pretty last week. But Robbie still made some plays last week against Georgia, and and this is a um, th- this is a defense that's not Georgia's, not yet. I mean, they're, they're statistically they're not bad, Dan. They give up fourteen and a half a game, but they haven't played uh, they haven't played great offenses yet. Auburn's far from being a great offense, but you know maybe Robbie could uh, have a big game. Auburn needs to get some big plays from somewhere, either on the ground. Um, some find some way to get Tank Bigsby in space. I don't know how, but whatever they have, uh, they 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 need to to try it and hope it works tomorrow against Ole Miss. If Auburn had won last week 
in Athens. It would have been one of the biggest upsets oh. since SEC expansion in, in this conference. It would have been, yeah, pro- it would have been as big an upset as Auburn's had since well before expansion. Yeah, there probably hasn't been a situation. I don't think there's been a 28-point underdog in conference play in the last 30 years who won outright in a league game. Tebow and Florida, uh, when, when they lost to Ole Miss in the game where Tim Tebow gave the promise after the game in, in the season where they ended up as national champions, I think they were a 20, 21-point favorite at home, and Ole Miss pulled off, pulled off that win. But but it's last week, an upset like that would have been fairly unprecedented in the league. Auburn winning tomorrow would be an upset. It'd be a significant upset. It would not be one of the, you know, there, there have been bigger upsets so far this season, and there will there, there have been bigger upsets historically. I don't think Auburn goes in hapless, but so much has to go right for mm-hmm. Auburn, and so much probably has to go wrong for Ole Miss for this game to still be within within stealing distance for Auburn in the uh, in, in the second half. Auburn needs to do something very quickly. The fact that it's an eleven o'clock start, I think, is is good. Always good for the uh, for the road team. But if Auburn can do something um, t- to really get some momentum early and then continue, see that's that's been the biggest problem. Auburn's usually uh, pretty good for an early drive, but then they they can't seem to sustain it after the script is done. They they need to be able to hit. Like in the second quarter, you know, if if they've done well in the first quarter, to continue it and not have that late first half lapse, and and it's just imperative to get out of the of the of the perennial third and long trap that Auburn's offense has found itself in. Now you got to mm-hmm. succeed. You got to win first down. I mean, we heard about winning first down all off season, didn't we? From this from this coaching yeah, staff, did. and it's it's part of the one and zero mentality. I mean, Auburn's been one of the worst first down teams in college football this year. That's you don't. You don't get to third and eight on every possession by being a quality first down team. It's it's the exact opposite, in fact. So if Auburn can alleviate some of those problems, it could be a different a different equation. Uh, but if they can't, uh, Ole Miss is a team poised to take advantage of of where Auburn struggled this year and turn this game into a not just a win but a one sided win. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's get back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Brett is up next. Hey, Brett. Hey, Bill. Uh, talking about Ole Miss, uh, the offenses they faced, you know, the uh, thought out there is their defense has really gotten better against the run. I looked at the teams they play mm-hmm. and how well they run the ball. Uh, nobody runs the ball well that they played except for Tech. And, of course, Tech wasn't that good of a team. In fact, they were no. a bad team then. But I didn't realize how bad how abysmal Kentucky's running game was. Oh, it's been right there at the bottom of the league, and they just got their, their top rusher back, but their offensive line's been a problem for them all year long. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had Kavassier uh, Smoke. He's a good runner. And what's-his-name's supposed to be better, but he's still a very good runner. But, the, heck, there are a lot of games where they're uh, at 1.9, 2.1, 2.4 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Well, the Florida game is fascinating for Kentucky because it looks like Cavassier Smoke has a pretty good game. And then between Will Levis taking some sacks and that punt that went for negative 40 yards you know, for a safety, Kentucky's rushing stats were a little bit impacted in that game. But they haven't righted the ship since then. You wait, you're wait, you waiting for Chris Rodriguez to still be vintage 
uh, Chris Rodriguez, the leading rusher or one of the leading rushers in the conference last year. And, and yes, yeah, some of it might be on the offensive line. You would think a team with a solid run game could have success against Ole Miss. Unfortunately, yeah, that, when, that when, has been Auburn. No, Auburn, I mean, in conference games, Auburn is behind Kentucky. Kentucky's averaging 99.7 yards rushing. Auburn's averaging 92 yards rushing in conference. Uh, how about uh, the Ole Miss's pass defense? I know I've seen some of the games their pass defense has given up a lot of big plays. Uh, yeah, they're giving up 250 yards a game passing. Okay. All right, I'll still say Auburn can keep it close somehow, some way. I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised, Brett. They just don't need they don't need to dig a hole early. Limit those turnovers. All right, y'all have a great weekend. You too, Brett. And with that, let's get to our final break of the afternoon. Still time for you to join in as we uh, head into the final segment on the Friday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final few minutes of The Friday Drive. Dan, over at uh, Sky Bar Cafe, what, uh, did you say 7 o'clock? Doors opening tonight? That's right. Doors at 7 o'clock tonight and tomorrow here at Sky Bar. They'll have Lucky Town on the stage in the back tonight. They'll have Ty Reynolds on uh, stage tomorrow night. They've got, uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff coming up uh, tonight and tomorrow night. And, uh, Bill, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but there is a... uh, well, they got a big Halloween contest. Oh, you have contest. not mentioned that. You're right. That is that's a a big annual event. I can't I can't speak to the rumors that for the fifth consecutive year I will be serving as the celebrity guest judge for the uh, Sky Bar Halloween costume contest. October twenty seventh, uh, Thursday night, they'll have their uh, their uh, two thousand uh, dollar plus uh, in prizes uh, Halloween costume contest, which is yeah, it's it's quickly become. A, a tradition unlike any other uh, here in uh, here in Auburn. So yeah, a lot of cool stuff going on at Sky Bar. Also, want to shout out Bud Light Next, our sponsor for uh, uh, helping uh, helping keep these Friday shows on the air. Uh, it's a zero carb, super crisp light beer from the good folks at Anheuser Busch. So shout out to Bud Light Next. Please drink responsibly. We'll give you one more update from the uh, National League Division Series. Braves threatened. In the uh, top of the sixth, got one run in on a Michael Harris single, but uh, left two on. Phillies batting in the bottom of the sixth and now leading the Braves by the score of 6-1. to one. Winner takes a 2-1 lead in this best-of-five series with game four on tap tomorrow afternoon in Philly. I uh, also want to give a big, uh, want to remind folks about the big high school football game we're going to be carrying on Wings 94-3, right, Bill? Absolutely. Auburn at Central. The Tigers... Will look to continue perfect and all but wrap up the region. They'd still need to win one other ball game, but tonight is a, a huge ball game. Coming off an open date and heading over to Central tonight, six thirty pregame, seven o'clock kick on Wings ninety four three. You can catch that one online to RadioAlabama.net. Check out the Wings ninety four three tab. Auburn and Central Phoenix City tonight. Championship implications. So you should be able to hear that game on the Auburn Network family of radio stations. Uh, no question about it. Dan, wanted to get a couple of quick thoughts on some of the other ball games. We, we mentioned a couple of the games in the SEC, a game that normally is, is uh, drawing more interest. LSU at Florida, 
Both teams four and two, and a, and a big ball game, very important ball game for the first year coaches. Oh, certainly, Brian Kelly looking for a win after getting uh, dog walked uh, last week at home by the by the Tennessee Volunteers, and you know Billy Napier's had a you know it's it's weird how the temperature rises and falls mm-hmm. under under Billy Napier, but yeah, this would be a big win and more uncomfortable questions uh, for whichever coach uh, loses uh, tomorrow's game. And yeah, it, it's unusual to see an an LSU Florida game where neither team is ranked in the top twenty five. And that's what you've got tomorrow uh, with both teams uh, undergoing something of a reset with their first-year coaches. Some other uh, national, uh, nationally ranked matchups going on around the country. One that uh, I think there could be a few points in this one, Oklahoma State at TCU, number eight at number 13. Oklahoma State just sort of quietly chugging along. Uh-huh. You know, if this team were to win all of their games, they'd have a compelling playoff argument as one of the four teams, depending on who else is in the picture. Obviously, this could be one of the two or three toughest games left on Oklahoma State's schedule. They're an underdog tomorrow against TCU. Undefeated TCU right. with Sonny Dykes uh, and uh, and the offense rolling for the uh, for, for the Horn Frogs. So, no, I think that could be a really exciting football game. What's the time on that one? Is that a uh, that's two thirty game? Okay, so 2.30, you could have Alabama-Tennessee on one screen. Maybe pay attention to Oklahoma-TCU as well. A lot of, uh, lot of exciting football in that, in that 2.30 window uh, tomorrow. NC State-Syracuse. Uh, NC State-Syracuse. I, I was wondering at your thoughts uh, of, of uh, USC at Utah, too. I mean, there's some fun games tomorrow. I mean, that, that, the, the, the Los Angeles teams are hot as a pistol no to start kidding. this college football season. USC with first-year head coach Lincoln Riley, Chip Kelly, and the undefeated UCLA Bruins. They're uh, they're on a bye week, uh, but that USC UCLA game getting bigger and bigger every single week. I think USC is going to win tomorrow. They've been up and down, uh, but it's just hard to bet against uh, Caleb Williams and some of the talent that Lincoln Riley has accumulated there in Los Angeles. I'm with you on that one. We're just about out of time, Dan. So, what do you think about tomorrow? I've got. Yeah, just the, I, I was going to say I'll let I'll let everybody know. Uh, I I picked I picked Ole Miss comfortably. Yeah, Auburn Auburn close early. Ole Miss pulls away. Just not enough on defense, and, and Auburn's not going to be able to stay on the field enough offensively. One more time, Dan. Let everybody know what's going on at Sky Bar. Yeah, lots of cool stuff. Doors at seven o'clock tonight and tomorrow. Live entertainment all weekend with Lucky Town, Ty Reynolds, DJ Ben Brood. Baseball and football on the big screens. Come on downtown to Sky Bar again. Thanks to Bud Light next as well. We're out of time here on the Friday edition of The Drive. Big weekend. And uh, don't forget, after the game, coming up tomorrow as well, mid-afternoon, following Auburn Ole Miss right here. And then we'll be back with you on Monday. Brian Matthews joins us as well. Have a great weekend, everybody. We are out of here.